Ruin My Childhood. Thank you for listening to Ruin My Childhood, the podcast where we decide if some things are better left in the past. I'm Kat. I'm Mike. And today we are talking about X-Men. X-Men. One of the precursors to our entire uh, superhero explosion of films that we then had. Kind of created a genre in and of itself. Yeah, I agree. Between this one, uh, Spider-Man, which we covered a few episodes back, and uh, Blade, those were kind of the catalyst for the uh, the huge renaissance of superhero movies. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. It's also our 75th episode. Woo! 75. Yeah. That's so a lot. Today, I uh, got an email from... <laughs> One of those gurus who teaches you how to run a business, and they specifically were trying to get me to join a, a class to teach me how to run a podcast. And like the average podcast only lasts seven episodes, so sweet. We're, we're more than ten times the average podcast, apparently. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> For better or worse, right? <laughs> I don't know if it's one of those uh, "here's something that nobody asked for" situations, but we'll just keep going. So, do you want to tell me what you remember about this? Uh, this movie was actually the first time I was upset by a spoiler. Uh, oh. I remember I was uh, getting my braces put on. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> at the ortho. I was I was going into seventh grade. It was between the summer between sixth and seventh what? grade. Yeah, when this came out. So, God, it's, it, like I've seen this movie so many times, it just kind of feels like we were already together when it came out. Yeah, I mean, we watched several other X Men movies together, right? Yeah, uh, in theaters because there are like twelve of them now, but. Yeah, I remember going to the orthodontist in the middle of the summer and the, I don't know what like the person, like, you know how you have so dental hygiene? No, it was Dr. <laughs> Stepovich. Uh, so you know how like dentists have the uh, um, dental hygienist? I don't know what the equivalent of that is for a orthodontist. It's probably the same thing. Oral hygienist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But that person was asking me if we were going to go see this movie. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to go see it. I think we were going to go see it that day or the next day. And she spoiled part of the movie for me. I, she she gave me some things about Wolverine, and she told me something about uh, the end of the movie. And I was like, I remember being pissed. And this is the first time that I had something spoiled for me that I was really excited to see. And you know and how you I am got with braces at yeah, the same time. And you know how I am with spoilers. That's a crap. Yeah, thing. I was really really mad. But I I love this movie. We had it on VHS. We had it on DVD. Uh, I had it on on a, a three pack Blu-ray, but that's mysteriously gone. So <laughs> mysteriously, I, I don't know where that is. But uh, yeah, I remember the whole movie. Like I remember just loving it from beginning to end. I really liked Cyclops, and it Cyclops was my favorite. But in retrospect, as the movies got progressed, like Cyclops was pretty lame in the franchise. Uh, I'm really interested in going back and watching this. Wait, you're saying that Cyclops is ever not? Lame? No, Cyclops was one of my favorites back in the day. He's not my favorite X Men anymore. No, but that as wasn't a, the question. The question was, is Cyclops? I lame? mean, he's a square. <laughs> I mean, he is a Boy Scout. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm really excited to go back and watch this because once Brian Singer, who you know, he's he's obviously in the bin now. He's a bad person, but in the bin. he. He made the first two movies, which were great, and then Brett Ratner took over, who's also not a good person. No. And then the movies, then we had the X-Men Origins movie with Wolverine, which is awful. And then it got rebooted with Matt Vaughn with uh, X-Men First Class, which is like a prequel to this movie. And basically, once Brian Singer left the first time, the movies fall apart. And there's a ton of plot holes and everything. So I'm really excited to go back and watch this. Because I think this movie is going to be pretty cohesive. Nice. I think it's going to be. But I know <laughs> the movies fall apart very quickly. Got it. Um, what do you remember? Jeez. 
hardly anything. I remember um, Rogue almost killing her boyfriend, smooching. Um, there's a car accident, and uh, Professor X is in there. I, I honestly don't remember much. It's very vague. You know, I think the things that I do remember about it are probably actually from later films, because we've seen Hugh Jackman as Wolverine for how many like years? Like nine movies or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's so hard to keep them all straight. It's, uh, it, yeah, there's there's too much there. You know what image is burned into my mind from this movie? What? Because this was also one of those movies like, this is DVD, and you have... um. Wolverine when he's fighting Sabretooth on the top of the Statue of Liberty at the end there's a scene where he gets like thrown off the Statue of Liberty by Sabretooth and he sticks his claws out and he puts it in like the the spike on the crown of the Statue of Liberty and he like spins around and then lands back on the head and he's like ah oh. uh, I that's something that's burned into my memory because of it was on every DVD for like 10 years right I mean if if the X-Men had their uh their front man i mean like i feel like professor x is kind of their manager <laughs> there's a front man to the x-men if they were a pop sensation um it would be cyclops it would definitely be wolverine these movies definitely no wolverine's always been he's got the more interesting story and he's got cool claws yeah he's always been like the, one of the most popular bone claws. bone claws i hate the bone claws yeah they, that wasn't even something that was originally I mean, I, I don't want to make this an hour and a half, two hour episode because I know way too much, but not as much as I knew, know about Spider-Man, but I know a lot about the X-Men as well. I, I was in the middle of a thought I'm sorry. you just hijacked it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's probably how this entire episode is going to go. <laughs> um, but anyway, since he's kind of the front man of the X-Men, whenever I think about X-Men, the image that is burned into my mind is that scene where the poor guy had to dehydrate himself for like three days and he bursts out of the water. He's got his That's from X-Men out. Origins Wolverine. I know. <laughs> it is, I've seen it so many times in so many advertisements. I feel like that scene is more deeply a part of pop culture than like the entirety of the X-Men. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people in the comic universe or community actually don't like these movies specifically because of how much they propped up Wolverine. Like he is the only person who can handle any problem uh, right. when the X-Men are supposed to be a team. And then yeah, even after but, okay, these movies... The comic book people are never really going to be happy, are they? Like they're upset about his height. Like he's not oh, yeah, stocky he, and hairy enough. He's supposed like, to be five foot three and Hugh Jackman six foot. So Who cares? I mean, he's supposed to be short and stocky. Anyway, uh, I know we've got a couple uh, comments from our listeners. We do. Edna Vicente said, I remember Storm and her stupid toad and lightning line slash joke. <laughs> I remember that. I have no idea what that means. Uh, so at the end of the movie, uh, Storm is fighting Toad, played by um, uh, Ray Park. And he's like, she's fighting and she goes, you know what happens to a, a, a frog when it gets struck by lightning? And she like hits him with the lightning bolt the same thing that happens to everyone else or everything else or something like that. It's really bad. And she has a terrible accent in this movie. Like she does like a, 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 a Kenyan accent that they get rid of in subsequent movies. Oh, really? Yeah, it's that bad. And I've got one from a um, friend of the show, Dustin Kentrell. I remember that Jean Grey could have freed them all at the end when Magneto had them trapped in quotation points. Oh, very interesting. All right, so I guess without further ado, we should just go watch it. This summer, welcome to the future. Prepare for the next generation of adventure. Fight 
with us. You sure you're on the right side? Trust a few. Beware the rest. Actually, go outside in these things. What would you prefer? Yellow spandex? All right, we are back. We just listened. Listened. We are back after watching uh, the first X Men movie. What is the tagline for this? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know what the tagline is. It's just X Men. This one was just called the X Men. It's just X Men. It's like, just X Men. What, what did they advertise it with? Oh, it was probably like. They're mutants. I don't know. Let's find They're out. They're mutants. <laughs> <laughs> There's always this tagline that uh, is really common when people were marketing films when we were in our childhood and teens. Join the evolution. Join the evolution. That's terrible. Who wrote that? I don't know. Join the evolution. Protecting those who fear them. The time is coming when all that we are afraid of will be all that can save us. Ooh. I wonder if the authors of the script write that stuff or if they get some like PR company to do it and then they just mess it all up yep no it's it's the latter I'm pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like how did they come up with that you want, you want more because there were several yes okay so the other one was evolution begins join the evolution change is coming the evolution begins July 14th protecting <laughs> those who fear them <laughs> this one I already read trust a few fear the rest Ooh, I don't like that one what <laughs> <laughs> uh we're not what you think and the future is here this hits a little different in 2020 yeah so <laughs> the future is here one just before we get into the movie trust a few fear everyone else <laughs> yeah that's bad <laughs> yeah uh the the future is here one kind of bothers me because and we'll, we'll talk about the movie in just a minute but shortly after the, the movie starts with a uh, flashback scene to some sort of concentration camp and we kind of get Magneto's origin. And then it goes to Mississippi in the not too distant future. Oh boy. What does that mean? So this movie came out in 2000. You know, you could say anywhere from 2000 to 2010 and it can kind of make sense with things that happen in other movies. But the Wolverine movie fundamentally breaks it because at some point in this movie, they mention that Wolverine doesn't have memories for the uh, up until 15 years prior. So he'd only had his claws and everything for 15 years. But X-Men Origins takes place, I think, in 1986. I know it's definitely in the 80s. How? What? <laughs> yeah. So it takes place in the 80s. So this movie came out in 2000. So that automatically makes this movie in set in 2000, even though they say it's the not-too-distant future. Okay, it, so... It can't be the future. During the entire... Um franchise i mean it, it's kind of gone through some different iterations of a lot of characters except for wolverine so it's hard yep. to tell are they all in the same universe they, are they a continuation do they build on one another and then you get to this point like five movies later and they throw this all out the window yeah well and that's the thing that's tough about this movie so a lot of people in like the comic book community and you know cinephile community kind of say that after the second movie you really can only count what happened in the movie that j came out just before the movie you're watching. So I guess what I want to ask is because this is the only film that seems to be contradicted later on. Oh, they're all contradicted. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll go very brief. I, I, I can shotgun this and tell you some of the big plot holes so that happen over the series. So cornflakes did Brian Singer piss in? So he didn't piss in anybody. So he did this movie and the second movie and people universally loved the first two X-Men movies. Uh, X-Men 2, X-Men United 
is one of those movies where people think the sequel is better than the original one. Mm. Uh, so he did a great job. And then they wanted him to do the third X-Men movie, but he really wanted to move on and do the Superman movie that he did. So he left the franchise to go do the Superman movie because they wouldn't delay X-Men 3 of, instead of X3. Is it the, the last stand? The last stand. Right. So he was, they would not delay it. So he left. Brett Ratner took over. And even the third movie doesn't do much to disrupt the first two movies. The only thing that breaks in the third movie is you see Beast played by Kelsey Grammer and he's in full on Beast mode. Like he's blue and furry. But in <laughs> X-Men 2, there is a scene where you see a man on television being interviewed about the mutant problem and he's a human and it mm -hmm. says Dr. Henry McCoy, which is Beast. That's, you know, a little Easter egg in the second movie. So that's not too bad. Where the movies really start to break is after the third movie, we had the X-Men Origins movie, which I already mentioned takes place in the 80s so it already breaks the timeline established in the first movie right the other thing that kind of breaks it is they have uh emma frost is in that movie as a teenager and she's one of the main villains in x-men first class which takes place in the 60s 20 years earlier but she's a full-grown january jones um <laughs> uh, you also have in the the prequel movies you have a character named havoc who is scott summers cyclops younger brother so that kind of breaks down in this movie at one point uh professor x mentions he met uh eric lynchure magneto when he was 17 but in x-men first class they're in their like late 30s <laughs> when they right. meet each other um and that also breaks some stuff in the third movie because in the third movie it's also in the 80s and professor x and magneto are de-aged it's one of the first like de-aging effects and it looks pretty solid mm -hmm. but it's still obviously it's 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 patrick stewart and, and um ian mckellen and they're in the 80s and they're walking. So Professor X still hadn't lost the capability of walking yet. But in X-Men First Class, he gets shot in the back. And that's what <laughs> paralyzes him. And then there's just a bunch of other stuff. Like the and whole then movie. Logan slid in and was like, I'm a standalone movie. Well, exactly. So Logan <laughs> disregards everything. And then you had Days of Future Past, which went through and was supposed to fix everything with the time travel and whatnot. But the next movie fundamentally breaks things with Age of Apocalypse, which you right. never saw. Uh, but Age of Apocalypse brings in like Nightcrawler and Angel and everything in the Age of Apocalypse is supposed to be in the 80s again. <laughs> which breaks everything. Angel's creepy. Uh, Angel, yeah, it's, I mean, I, he's a cool character, but it breaks a bunch of stuff again because it takes place in the 80s and all these characters that didn't exist until arguably 20, 30 years later are now present in the 80s again. And then you also have issues where each one of the prequel movies jumps 10 years, but they never age. So there's just, inexplicably, there's a day where James McAvoy turns into Patrick Stewart. So the movies don't really make sense. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's a pretty big gap between McAvoy and Stewart. And even bigger gap between Fassbender and Ian McKellen because this movie we know is supposed to be roughly the year 2000. Between Let's say between 2000 and 2010. But Age of Apocalypse is supposed to be like 1993. So we're saying in a seven-year period, <laughs> Yikes. Michael Fassbender turns into Ian McKellen. <laughs> That's a horrifying thought. Which is why I was really excited to go back and watch this one on its own and just watch it because I I enjoyed it quite a bit actually watching this one and just ignoring all the other ones. <laughs> Should I summarize it really quick? You might as well. Okay. I mean, you've been talking this whole time. Yeah. Just so keep going. This one, pretty simple, straightforward plot. It's very I'm short. The episode. I'm sorry. This one's very short. It, it was a lot shorter than I thought. I was expecting a two and a half hour movie and this was like, 100 or an hour and 43 minutes Oof. it was great short yeah. fast to the point i missed that uh so essentially what's going on is 
their mutants are going to be forced to register. And Jean Grey and the X-Men are like, no, that's a bad idea. Jean Grey and the X-Men. That's a bad idea. It'll put people in danger. They shouldn't have to do that. Exactly. So they're like, we shouldn't have to do that. This is all being run by Senator Kelly. He's kind of like really push marching that anthem or whatever you want to say. My brain isn't working right now. Uh, (laughs) Meanwhile, you have Magneto and his Brotherhood of Mutants who are obviously anti-registration as well, but they're more militant than the X-Men are. So they abduct uh, Senator Kelly and mutate him in the as a test because essentially what they're going to try to do is mutate all the world leaders at a UN summit that's going to be on Ellis Island. Somewhere in the middle, somehow they intersect uh, Logan and Rogue, and it turns out that one of those mutants is the linchpin in Magneto's plan. And the whole movie, we're led to believe it's it's Wolverine, but it turns out it's actually Rogue at the end. Dun dun, amazing. Yep. Um. This movie, it's a lot darker than I remember. It, yeah. Right out the yeah. gate. Which is what they were going for because they didn't think you could be comic booky because they have that famous joke, the yellow spandex joke, which we talked about in the Spider-Man episode. Like they couldn't be in colorful costumes. It had to be dark and gritty. Right. So it starts off in a concentration camp where we meet Magneto. And that uh, seems rad. It is. We get to see him. I guess was he discovering his power? Yeah, it was like the first time he used his powers as he's ripped away from his parents. Yeah, and dude. Sent off to the gas chamber. It's like, dark. It's horrifying. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, it's super dark and it's really well done. Like that kid is incredible. Like he actually looks like he's afraid and scared and angry. But yeah, it's dark. <laughs> it's called acting. Yeah, he's good. He's a good actor. <laughs> Whoever that kid is, good job, bud. <laughs> Um, yeah, so right away, it was much darker than I remember. I don't know why I didn't remember that aspect of it, but this entire movie is much darker than I remember. Yeah. There are some scenes, like, right after, um, close to the beginning of the film, there's a car accident scene, <laughs> and a lot of movies these days, you get the glamorous car accident, you get all of these, uh, close-ups of glass smashing and different cutaways and then slow get, motion of the people get, in the yeah, cars you get the wide slow motion in this one like the crash happens and logan flies through the windshield and like splat and slides and you're like oh damn yeah and he's just uh, like laying there twitching he looks dead yeah it's and cre- it's so jarring because it's not noisy it's like an actual car accident well, you're like what was that and then it's still and it leaves you to really sit in these moments where something intense and jarring happens. And occasionally it comes off as slightly comedic because we're not well, used to it. Imagine if when this movie came out, superhero movies weren't big. I'm sure a lot of people saw this movie and didn't really know who Wolverine was. Right. Uh, and imagine seeing that like, holy crap, they just killed that guy. And then he gets up and heals. Like, that's probably pretty effective if you don't know much about the character. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty gruesome. <laughs> he just goes flying. And yeah, like you mentioned, it's talking like Wolverine's stabbing people like crazy in this movie. And he's we getting meet stabbed. Him in a bar fight. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, that that bar fight was pretty cool. How he's just getting the snot beat out of him. And then he just like blocks a punch with his own fist and shatters the guy's hand. It's scary. Yeah, it's a brutal fight scene. It's. I didn't remember it being that that crazy and it's intense. It's really, really well choreographed. And this is another thing. Like, it's not um, shot in such a way to hide bad fight choreography. Like, it looks good. It does. It looks like they're landing those punches. And uh, 
it's brutal. Yeah, like, those it, claws. It sounds like it hurts. Those claws were really impressive. Like the, they ended up making like a mold and pushed the claws through for that effect. But they look really good. And when you see it coming out of the fist the first it's time, painful. then you see it heal and blood. Like, yeah, you're like, man, it sucks to be Wolverine. I wouldn't want that. Like as yeah. a kid, everybody would take like not like spoons and forks or pencils and be like, so I'm Wolverine. <laughs> and this makes me go, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> right. It seems terrible. <laughs> it looks awful. Um, we at this point in the movie, when we meet him, we've already met Rogue. Yep. Who is a teenage mutant who can't touch other people without basically like draining the life force from yep, them. Exactly right. Um, so she's gone on the run. Uh, do do we know where she's going? Does she just she's, take off? Does she have some vague idea of what she needs to do? I think she's just trying to get as far away as possible because she doesn't know where she is. Like when she gets dropped off, the trucker's like, we're here. And she's like, you were going to take me to blank city. And he's like, this is blank city. And it's just like a bar and like a, a, like one other building. Like it's a really small town and they're up in Canada. Right. So... Yeah, I don't think she really had a plan just other than hitchhike as far as I possibly she, can go. She like flew up there with the geese and then she was confused. <laughs> That's right. She was in Flyway Home, huh? Is that what that movie's called? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's odd. I'm not really sure why her character does what she does. She's so young. She's a teenager. Yeah. And yet she leaves the safety of her parents amidst mass persecution of mutants. It, it but she's in the South. So the South probably, she's in Mississippi. So realistically, the South is probably the worst place to be different. Yeah. And I think this is going to make me look like a nerd again. I don't have the novelization of this one anymore, but I definitely read the novelization when I was younger. And I think one of the other wrinkles in it is that her boyfriend was like the football star of the town and he's no longer able to play football or something like that because she like... Crippled him? Yeah. So that's part of it. The biggest issue I had with that, with, with Rogue, is you know right after we get into the, um, the car accident scene, which you talked about because Sabretooth throws a log, which... We're introduced to Cyclops and Storm without really any fanfare. Like, they just show up and rescue uh, Rogue and Wolverine. One, how did they know where they were? How did how did Sabretooth know where they were? That bothered me. It's still, there's, there's no explanation to it. And then they just are back at the X-Mansion. And my first thought was, shouldn't they call Rogue's parents? Right? She is a minor. They just take off. Like, it's so odd. Like it, none of the beginning of this makes sense, right? Like, because I I wish I knew where Rogue was. Maybe she was going somewhere and we just missed it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know if that was a plot point. I completely missed it. They they never explicitly say it. It's just kind of silly that she happens to end up in a bar where Wolverine happens to get into a bar fight and have to has to use his claws and is outed as a mutant. It, I mean, like, what are the odds? Very high. And then that he can then take her to Professor X. Like, come on. Well, they weren't going to go to Professor X. The only reason they went is because Sabretooth ambushed them and Cyclops and Storm brought them there. I don't think they had a plan. But he was probably the only person who could have picked her up in like a tri-state area who could have eventually gotten her to Professor X. Or could relate to her in any way. It's a little too convenient to really fly for me. Um Sabretooth is fun. Sabretooth, Tyler Mayne is cool as Sabretooth. One of the only characters I actually remembered in detail um, just because it looks so good. The the thing that was weird about this Sabretooth versus another thing that doesn't really make sense with the series is in X-Men Origins, you get uh, Leif Schreiber plays plays Sabretooth, who's much shorter than Tyler Mayne, which whatever, they recast it. But he's smart and cruel and evil. Like Sabretooth isn't just a dumb brute. Like he's Mm -hmm. a cruel person 
but he is a person. He's not just this monster. shell of monster person, which is kind of what this version is. He's cool as hell. Like he's really cool. But they don't just, give him a lot to play with. They don't. In terms of lines. No, he, he has very few, some of which is him being controlled by Xavier, so it's not even really him. He shows up at a really oddly convenient time. Well, and it, like I said, it makes no sense because the, the whole twist of this movie is, for whatever reason, even though we don't know anything about Rogue or Logan at this point in the movie, everyone just assumes that they were after Logan, hmm. but they were actually after Rogue. Because Mag- the whole plot of the movie is Magneto is going to give Rogue his powers so she can run the machine that mutates people. But how did they know? How did one? How did Magneto know about Rogue? And how did they know that she was in Canada? Did they like hack into some kind of a genetic database? I don't know, but yeah, it, it makes None no of sense. That is set up. Oh, and they. They, they just, we just are introduced to the concept of them being hunted via this booby trap right. for the car accident. And so like they're in, they go to the X-Mansion and there's like this really- Massive a, debriefing. Massive debriefing. So you have, uh, you don't see Rogue. She's off playing with the kids, I guess. Uh, but Logan is being debriefed by Jean Grey, Storm, Cyclops, and Professor Xavier. And he even makes a joke like, what's with all these nicknames? What do they call you? Wheels? What's a Magneto? Yeah, which I thought was great. Uh but then I realized, like, that whole interaction, everybody has a line but Halle Berry. And yeah. I, I tracked it. It wasn't until 48 minutes into the movie, even though Halle Berry appeared in, like, five or six scenes. She didn't have a line until minute 48. That is so rude. And was this after Monster's Ball? It was around the same time. Were they just using her for the poster? Maybe. Well, I, I mean, she wasn't as big then. Well, she blew she up shortly after. She wasn't good in this. Well, she did that weird accent, which they got rid of in subsequent movies. So I'm wondering if the accent was just so bad they cut all her lines. Yeah, it it, it was an awkward performance overall. I find myself, um, because we get so far into the movie with no dialogue and yet it's Halle Berry, I find myself being distracted by her presence in me these too. scenes. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. she's just kind of like BG. Yeah, it was, it was really weird. Like she didn't have any more agency than a bunch of the kids in the classrooms as they're doing, you know, classes throughout the movie. Yeah, she's just kind of a, a quiet observer. And maybe that's part of it because she has her big thing later. Yeah, like she, they give her a lot more to do in the second and third movie. It wasn't until the third movie where they really kind of prop her up to be what she's supposed to be because she's supposed to be like second in command to Storm or to Cyclops. Well, and I don't really understand everyone's hierarchy. So it's the way it's supposed to be is, of course, Professor X and then Cyclops is the leader of the field team. Storm is like second in command and everybody else is just part of the team. And they're just making it up as they go. Wolverine. Well, that's the thing. It's like you don't get a lot of this until the third movie because they have like the danger room in the third movie. Um but yeah, they train and they have tactics and they have plays I essentially. Love the danger room. But they they don't have that in this movie. And then you have Logan is the is the rogue. Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't use rogue when there's a character <laughs> named Rogue. Like he's he's the guy, uh, the dark horse who tries the black sheep who tries to stay away from everybody and kind he's of mess kind with of the plan. He's kind of a jerk. But he's, he's supposed like to be super aggressive with Jean Grey yeah. immediately. Yeah, that was a lecherous. little weird. super lecherous. Oh, you, you you had to get my shirt off immediately. Yeah, it was gross and like. And yeah, really aggressive. And no one ever corrected him. I mean, Cyclops does to an extent where he's just like, yeah, that's my girlfriend. And he's like, okay, well, what? Like, Logan's like, well, whatever. And eventually, James Marsden as Cyclops is like, yeah, stay away from my girl. Can I say he's an immortal too? 
I just watched Is him he? in Sonic, and he looks exactly the same <laughs> as he does in this movie. Hey, we were watching him in um, Dead to Me. Yeah. He looks exactly the same. He does look pretty much the same. Of course, half of his face is covered in this, so I don't know if that's a really fair assessment. Yeah. Later on in other movies, he has just the sunglasses, so you can see a little bit more of him. But I mean, still, he looks good. Good for he him. good. <laughs> um, so there's this big debriefing. They, you know, fight, fight a couple people. Uh, there's a scene. What do we call Professor X's house? It's the Xavier Institute for Gifted Youngsters. Anyway, apparently <laughs> they don't have locks on their doors because we have this scene uh, shortly after the debriefing where Wolverine is asleep having some kind of a night terror. And for some odd reason, Rogue can just walk on into his bedroom and is like hovering over him really creepily and vaguely trying to wake him up. I feel like, okay, you've seen metal spikes come out of this dude's knuckles. Like maybe you find something, poke him, turn the lights <laughs> on, bang a couple pots together. I don't know. Like, why would you hover over him? Yeah. Don't straddle him. <laughs> yeah. It's odd. I mean, she get she does get got though. Get got. She got got. She does get got. Uh, so then he stabs her because, duh. Um, and she just leans in. She's like, well, all right, then I'm just going to like drain the life force from you to heal myself. So she absorbs part of his powers. And that's kind of where things start coming together. It really ramps Yelling. up at this point. Yeah. So we, we haven't brought up the senator like side plot at all he's a pretty this. big vehicle he's that a, we just skipped over yeah so throughout all the different stuff going on at the the x mansion or the school he uh senator robert kelly gets abducted by mystique and toad and they kind of have a trial run of magneto's mutation machine and they mutate him and they just lock him in a cell and you get this point where he's like just putting his face up against the bars on a window <laughs> and his face starts to slide through and he's like oh what the hell Magneto and Sabretooth come in and we're like, huh, how's the mutation, bud? So messed up. <laughs> well, and then he's like, oh, shit. And he tries to get out. So he like falls out the bars and Sabretooth catches him. But because he's all like jelly-like, he starts <laughs> to slide out. <laughs> His face when he completely loses him. And then he turns around and Magneto just looks at him like, you're a piece of <laughs> you're a piece of poop but he can't even really be that angry about it. they just have this awkward moment yeah. of like we should have seen this coming yeah and then yeah and then magneto <laughs> shuts him in and like locks uh saber tooth and he's just like oh then he turns into a, like a, a jelly slug and yeah and swims across the ocean completely liquefies you know like it's hard at first you have this this glimpse of feeling sorry for him because He's been turned into some kind of a monster, essentially. Right. But then you remember that he was like basically a, a Republican. <laughs> yep. And uh, I mean, like, let's be real. This is exactly how Republicans would handle actual yeah. mutants. So then, then you don't really feel quite as bad for him. And he does come around a little bit. Like he, this is where uh, uh, Storm gets like her first line is with him. Like she's in the the room as he's like dying. Like he's like turning into like the water monster. And he's just like, are you afraid of humans? And she's like, yeah, I am. You guys are constantly trying to mess with my stuff. Come on. Like, <laughs> mess with my stuff. I, I, I almost swore and I had to pivot. Uh, and he's like, well, this is one less person you have to be afraid of. And then he dies. But I think he realizes in that moment, like, man, there are some good mutants out there. Like, look at Halle Berry. She's pretty hot. Right? Can't be mad at her. There you go. Uh, but yeah, then he, he gets got. He turns into just water. Mystique slips in takes his place yeah and uh, and this kind of goes into directly what you were talking about how 
Rogue getting stabbed changes everything because she Mystique turns into Iceman and it's like, hey, Rogue, you can't be using your powers against other mutants. Get the hell out of here. You better run away again. We know you're good at that. And then she sneaks into Magneto or not Magneto. She sneaks into Cerebro and messes with Cerebro so they can Professor X, Professor X. If you notice, I made that a verb. Oh, man. It just seems like so much work. Like, especially for Mystique. Like, she could go anywhere, do anything. Like, pick any rich person she wants, kill them, and live her life as them. Like, why Why is she messing around with them? I don't get it. Well, so she explains, What's the appeal? She explains it, like, that she did try to do that. And he, that's that's a big premise of the, the prequel films, is that she does try to blend in. And then Magneto's like, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll bang you in your blue form. <laughs> If you join my team. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. Like, there's a meme about but it. I'm wearing a VR headset. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they then just rush the plot forward to like this train station. They try to save Rogue at a train station because they realize that she's the target. And there's a really cool scene. Like when they're in the train station, like Cyclops blows the roof off of a train station after a little kid's like looking at him like, hey, cool, you're a pretty cool looking dude. Blows the train station, almost kills the kid. Uh, Magneto makes fun of uh, Wolverine for having metal on his bones and makes him like a puppet. It was a cool little scene. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there, there are definitely like quite a few fun sequences in this one. One of my favorites was uh, towards the end of the movie, there's this fight going down in the Statue of Liberty because like, this is so silly to me. Like, can anyone even go up in the Statue of Liberty anymore? I thought it wasn't safe anymore. Well, I mean, they weren't supposed to be there. It just seems <laughs> odd that people always end up in the Statue of Liberty or on Ellis Island. Like... When do people even go there when they're visiting from Taiwan? That's pretty much it. It's odd. Um, so Jean Grey, Jean Grey, why am I using her full name? What that's is her, her name? So that's the thing that's tricky. Even in the comic books, like she started as, uh, I think, Miss Marvel and then Marvel Girl. And then Ms. she Marvel? then she was just Jean Grey and then she was Phoenix. So her, her name has changed a bunch. But yeah, they don't give her like a, a code name in this right. one. Right. So anyway, she uses her telekinesis to move Cyclops' That's shield. telekinesis, Kyle. Telekinesis. And like bounce his laser. What are you going to call it? They're not I, lasers. They're I'm optic sure blasts. I know exactly what it is. <sighs> They're not lasers. They don't cut. It's, it's kinetic energy. It's like being pushed. <laughs> anyway, uh, so she bounces it to hit. Uh, saber tooth and again we get one of these moments where they really let the impact of what just happened land on you and so we see saber tooth get blasted out like <laughs> splash significantly further than he should it's almost comical it, it's that's it's, how powerful his optic blasts are it was like an anime and i think it was supposed to be dramatic but instead it was just silly well and the thing is like that was like after wolverine started the fight so like they magneto captures them and puts Magne um, Wolverine's claws in such a way that if he pops them out, he'll stab himself, which he does to get out. And then they have that big fight on the top of the Statue of Liberty. And like Wolverine just disappears. I don't know what happened. Like, did he get thrown off? I don't I don't really remember because well, uh, he gets uh, stabbed or something. Well, he stabs himself to get out and then Sabretooth throws him out. He claws his way up back onto the head of the, the Statue of Liberty. Him and Sabretooth fight it out for a little bit. He looks like he's dead. Yeah. Just chilling there yeah, for a Yeah, so he time. goes away and then Sabretooth comes back and then he gets blasted out and then Wolverine comes back like, hey, I'm back. Let's go fight Magneto now. And that's pretty much the end of the movies. 
they're Wolverine and Cyclops are fighting over who's going to take out Magneto essentially. And Cyclops is like, well, I can't shoot the machine. So I guess Wolverine should go up there. So they send the guy covered in metal to fight <laughs> Magneto makes no sense. And he's not able to do it. Like Magneto's just like, hover, like even in his weakened state, he's able to just dominate Wolverine. Right. And so there's this point where Cyclops is keeps saying like, I can shoot the machine, but it'll kill all of them. And then they're like, yeah, don't do it then. And he's like, I'm going to do it. I've got the shot. And you're like, oh, snap. He's going to sacrifice everybody. And then he shoots Magneto. He shoots an old man. He shoots a Holocaust survivor. Oh, my God. I mean, there are a couple old men in this movie. It's fine to shake them up a little bit. You Um, don't shoot a Holocaust survivor. (laughs) It lands a little different in 2020. Yeah, Yeah, that's what's going on right now. Yikes. Wow, that was annoying. Was there anything else you wanted to go over before we start wrapping no, it up? You know what was the dumbest part of this movie? What? So they were like, hey, we should probably go save Rogue. And Cyclops is like, yeah, let's let's go. And Wolverine's like, no, I work alone. And like steals Cyclops's motorcycle and it had like a turbo boost on it. And it was like the dumbest part of the movie. Like, I don't necessarily agree with you that like when uh, Sabretooth got thrown a couple of times that it was comical. I could see why you think they're comical, but I'm like, no, it makes sense. These are superpowered beings throwing each other around. But that motorcycle scene was dumb. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was dumb. Odd. That was a really odd throwaway scene, and I'm not really sure how it made it into the movie. I, I, it made no sense with anything else going on. It was just filler. Some of the other things that were really great that I just want to point out is when the, we we kind of glossed over the Mystique toad fight in in the lobby of the Statue of Liberty. But there's a point where Wolverine walks through the metal detector. And as a little kid, I thought this was great. Uh, he goes off and he like, they look at him like, really, dude? And he like lets the closet and just leaves the one out, like the middle finger. And then Mystique shows up as Wolverine. And they have the old classic, like, it's me. No, it's me. And everything. And then they get separated. And they're like, prove that you're Wolverine. And Wolverine's like, you're a dick to Cyclops. And they're like, yep, good enough. Okay. I liked that relationship. You know, and I kind of wish that we didn't have any romances in this movie because I don't think the romance between Jean Grey and Cyclops was one believable. They had zero chemistry. They didn't it have very good boring. chemistry. We didn't understand why they were attracted to each other or how they met or where their relationship was going. Yeah, we're just told they were already in a relationship. And that's the whole reason that he hates Logan because Logan's really aggressive with her and pursuing her. And but I feel like there are so many other reasons that he could have hated him and we could have gotten that Because same, he's not a team player or any number of things. Yeah, dynamic between the two of them because that is the relationship that stands out in this I movie agree. to me and is the most interesting one. I agree. And they, they it does get better in the second movie because there are points where there it is a little bit more of a love triangle in the second movie. But you do get more scenes with Cyclops and Jean where they're having a relationship. So it does get better as the franchise goes on. At least that aspect does. Rogue and Wolverine also have an odd relationship. And I think Hi. it's because it starts off with him so adamantly being like, uh, leave me alone. I don't want yeah. anything to do with you. And she just follows him like a puppy. And it doesn't really make sense because she's supposedly running away right. all the time. And yet she ends up so codependent on him. Well, I think part of it that doesn't make sense is this whole movie takes place in like less than a week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that, that is very on brand for, for Wolverine and all versions of the character, whether it's the cartoon, the movie, or the comic books, he always has somebody as a special relationship when that's almost paternal. Right. So like in the cartoon, the 90s cartoon, I'm pretty sure he's like that with Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, it's it's Rogue. In another cartoon, it's Shadowcat. Um, 
So yeah, he he is like that with certain people. But yeah, I can see why you could think it's a little creepy because it's like you guys knew each other for like a couple of days. Yeah, it's borderline inappropriate to be to have that paternal relationship. I, it's obviously different for women and kids, right? So I think we're just not used to seeing it. Was there anything that really didn't hold up for you? Honestly, not really. I I, got one. Oh, what is it? Uh, Okay, so the special effects look really great for 90% of this movie. I think they didn't... I want to hear what you say. I I, I have no idea where you're going to go with this. I didn't think that they overreached in their capabilities. That's true. And for the most part, they did what they knew would hold up well. I think they they knew they wanted this to be a long-term thing and didn't fall into that trap. However, Magneto's mind meld thing looked weird. Oh, when he was transferring the powers? That is the only time. It like takes you out of it. It feels like British television. Yeah, it was a little weird because he already had the machine going. And yeah. so you had like the flashing strobe light on and it. Yeah, I don't it did know look how weird. else creatively I would depict that either, but it just looked well, weird and cheap. Why change it from when it happened to Wolverine or the teenager at the beginning of the movie? Why not just have the color draining from his face and have the veins turn green and black like everybody else? I thought that was effective. Yeah. I I don't know why they did that. I mean, so that's kind of like the, my one issue I have with it. Do you want, do you want some facts about this movie? I do. Do you know who was supposed to be Wolverine? Who? So uh, the person who was actually cast was Dugray Scott, but he had a delay. He's another Australian actor. All three people that were offered this movie were Australian. Ah. They saw everybody. At one point, they wanted Bob Hoskins for the more at comic book accurate short Wolverine. That, that I don't agree with that. But um, Dugray Scott was cast as, as Wolverine, but Mission Impossible 2 ran long. And so he had to back out of this movie because he was still filming Mission Impossible 2 and he was oh. the villain in that movie. So then they really wanted That's Russell. That's a better career choice. Well, no, he, Dugray Scott is nothing anymore. I'm joking. Oh, okay. I, assume, <laughs> I mean, he, to be fair, he was already no, on that movie. No, it's funny. When yeah. you look at the situation, you're like 007 or superhero. Right. He probably thought he made the best choice. Yeah. So yeah, Mission Impossible delayed it's funny how many movies mission impossible have messed up this and justice league um so he had to go so they were really trying to get russell crowe and he couldn't make it work so russell crowe suggested hugh jackman and they were already filming when this was all going so hugh Hugh, jackman hugh jackman (laughs) he if you notice like he has a couple shirtless scenes in this movie and each one he looks a little bit different it's because they were already filming the movie when he got cast so he was working out to try to catch up with it. And so that's why he looks different. Now, obviously, we know he gets shredded in like every other movie. Well, and I remember when this movie came out thinking that I'd never seen an actor of his caliber look that ripped. Yeah. And like we have our Arnold Schwarzeneggers, whatever, they've been around forever. But I had never like really seen an A-list an guy actor. or someone who's on his way to A-list actually getting that shredded. And it kind of set this precedence that... I'm not sure it's a good thing. Yeah, a lot uh, of these actors s- don't like doing it. No, they have so much to live up to and the high expectations and the muscles keep getting bigger and there's well, no they way are it's start- They are starting to fight back on it. So like Alexander Skarsgård did that Tarzan movie a couple years back and they wanted him to, like he obviously shirtless in that whole movie. So he had to be like drunk to be dehydrated enough to really get the rippling muscles. And then they had him do a... A photo shoot, which was like a month after the movie. So he had to stay ripped for another month after he was done with the movie for the photo shoot. So then he finished it and he went back to his normal life. And then they're like, hey, we need to do reshoots for the movie. You need to get ripped again. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. It's unhealthy. You need to CG that. And so they had to CG abs for some of the reshoots on uh, on him. Why would Tarzan have abs? Because he's 
he's working out all the time, running around in the jungle, okay, lifting stuff, fighting like jungle swinging. cats. He would be built like a polo player. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to hear a funny fact? I do. So on the last day of filming, uh, Mystique, played by uh, Rebecca Romaine, she wanted to get like was some gifts Rebecca for people. Was she Rebecca Romaine Stamos at the she time? She was Stamos at the time. She bought a bottle of tequila and gave it to a bunch of her the crew. And she happened to be in uh, doing the fight scene with Wolverine, that scene. So she ended up throwing up like blue paint all over uh, Hugh Jackman. <gasps> what? Yeah, apparently. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. That's embarrassing. And then the last thing I thought as an actor you may find interesting was uh, the way that Hugh Jackman got into character was uh, he was filming early and so he didn't want to wake up his wife so he he took a cold shower one his day manager. yeah it's, it is his manager as well uh he took a, a shower and the water was too cold and he didn't want to wake her up so he's just like <laughs> grit his teeth apparently so and it made him feel like the anger that wolverine has and just that rage and that uncontrollable that you're trying to contain so he would take a cold shower before set every day to kind of get in that mindset oh jeez yep. <laughs> hubert hubert jackman oh no i'm gonna do that <laughs> so you can rage like a beast that's a good idea i need some some way to channel my my rage yeah. um so what do you think i mean obviously we've seen this a lot more than most of the other things that we cover but is your childhood ruined no not at all i mean i i don't think i've watched this one since maybe when sometime around when we first met so it's still easily been at least 12 years since i've watched this one uh but no i really enjoyed it like i was hoping that it would be good but i was ready to watch this movie and rip it apart because of how bad a lot of the other movies are because mm -hmm. i love this one's good the second one's good the third one's bad wolverine's bad uh, age of apocalypse is bad so like half the movies are bad so i was like ready to go into this entertaining yeah no but bad no some of them are just bad <laughs> like a, a terrible like i will never watch age of apocalypse again and i will never watch origins again because wow. they're objectively bad movies <laughs> and i was ready to go back and say this is probably dated it's corny and i honestly liked it. it and it's paced really well like it it didn't feel like a chore watching it it no, rips and i i think all the actors are solid for their choices but yeah, it's good. I, I really enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, it it held up a lot better than I expected it yeah. to. I really thought this was going to be, a, you know, like an hour and a half of torture and bad CG and bad acting and uh, James Marsden. <laughs> I love James Marsden. I don't know why you don't like him so much. He's come a long way. You like him in a lot of things he's in. No, he's <laughs> great now. Uh, there are a lot of things he did early on that I, I just have a hard time watching. Ah. Um. It, mainly because of the way they they just never. I don't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> I don't want to shit all over James Marsden. Whatever, I have to work with him someday. You probably will. <laughs> He's a very hardworking man. Um, no, like it held up. It was a fun movie. It's entertaining. It wasn't um, like it's surprising that it's a PG thirteen. Yeah, because it is a little bit edgier. It's pretty gory at it's points. It's really violent. Yeah. Much more violent than you would expect for that. But we said the same thing about the Spider-Man movie. Like, that was a lot more violent than right. we remembered it being. So the maybe movies part, were more violent back then. Maybe. <laughs> the only part that didn't really hold up for me, like I said, was Magneto's mind meld radiation thing. Um, and the rest of it was really enjoyable. I remember when I was younger being super annoyed by Anna Paquin. And I think I just don't like the way she talks. And now watching it, 
as a grown woman and appreciating her and her innocence as a child, which was something I didn't really see because I was younger. You were than younger her. than her. That makes yeah. sense. So I like her character a lot more. Oh, that's I a that's a good take. I like rooting that. for her a lot more than I was when I was a kid. Oh, good. Honestly, didn't. Really that's care interesting. What it's a really <laughs> interesting change for you. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I I one other thing was. We, we kind of brought this up with in the Spider-Man one, which is why we kind of really didn't discuss it here, the whole yellow spandex joke. Uh, this movie was really trying to be serious, and we, we brought up how Spider-Man being colorful was the first one to kind of be semi-comic book accurate. And then when you look at the way movies are now, like everyone's in the crazy colorful costumes, right. look at the Marvel movies. I was really ready to go back to this one and go, it was good for the time. You have to respect the heritage that it has and how it made the you know the movies we have today. And I was expecting it just to be dark and brooding and not fun, but it's still even as it's darker than we expected. It's still a fun movie. It is. Solid. Yeah, I, I expected it to kind of be drab, and it wasn't. So did not ruin our childhoods. Uh, what are we covering next time? So we wanted to do for our seventy-five episode or 75th episode some big 90s actor but then we realized it was the 20 year anniversary of x-men so we decided to do that so we got to do a 90s actor so we were really arguing over chris farley adam sandler uh and we decided to do a chris farley movie and we're gonna do tommy boy tommy boy i'm excited i love tommy boy i barely remember it the only time i've seen it is when it was on in the target break room (laughs) i guarantee you saw it more than that but yeah where can our listeners find you on the internets i'm all over the internet at katrinaosity how about you? Uh, my social media is pretty much just the podcast media. <laughs> so uh, check out MDX Pods on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, we are on Patreon as well if you want to support the show. MDX Pods uh, or patreon.com slash MDX Pods. And uh, we're on YouTube as well. It's pretty cool. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>